Exactly. Listen to understand and not to answer, because that is, especially in these times, uh, conversations happening faster and faster, and unfortunately, more and more superficial. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of our podcast. And with us today is Garrett Yessen. Garrett Yessen is CMP, CMM, and CED. Welcome, Garrett. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Um, so for the listeners who don't know Garrett, I know Garrett very well. I'll give you a, a little and short introduction of who Garrett is. As I said, Garrett is CMP, CMM and CED. He has a lot of credentials. He's a certified event designer, entrepreneur, trainer, speaker, advisor and a mentor in the meeting industry. It says on LinkedIn. Actually, for the people who don't know, Garrett was trained as a chef and as, as an executive chef. And he made then the transfer into the meetings and events world, first in his own agency, and later that agency merged with MCI. And he oversaw the offices of MCI for a while in Germany when at some point he decided to start his own little company again and start from, start from there. And that's when, when he joined also the Event Design Collective as the director of Germany. But also on a professional um, note, but also on a professional level, Garrett also served on the board of MPI Germany as a president and many other roles. And he served on the international board of directors for MPI, Meeting Professionals International, for a number of years. And also we, we shared, I think, a year on the board together. So that's why that's when I tried to, to convince you of event design and, and how that all worked. And you at least seemed very interested. So I must say, did I forget anything? Was this an appropriate introduction, Garrett? No, that was, that was cool. Currently, what I'm doing currently is I'm, I'm on the board of the uh, Visit Berlin Convention Partner Association. Uh, and so that's basically what, what also keeps me busy besides event design. Good. Okay. So. Then we have the introduction out of the way. Um, anything? So, how is your your family life looking like? So, what does your personal life look? Like? Are you married? Do you have children? Yeah, I'm. I'm married. I have a son uh, who's who's uh, twenty um, seven now. He is um, studying uh, media design in in Hamburg, um, and I live near Berlin, um, just outside the city limits. Uh, and for the last uh, year and a half, in my home office, looking outside in the in, in, in into the into the green woods, which is some comfort uh, for all this two-dimensional uh, talks uh, we are all obviously been having over the last years. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah, we can all relate to that, to home offices. And then you are very lucky because you also have a second home uh, at, at an island, right? Exactly. We have on the island of Usedom, uh, to which I'm, in fact, I'm going tomorrow, uh, a little holiday flat. So for for the, the odd day or week of contemplation. Yeah. Very good. Good. Garrett, we have a, a sequence in our podcast, sequence of questions we ask. We all, it's all about design to change. Design to change is our book we published this year. And you helped us tremendously in our EDC mastermind to bring that from a draft version, which we brought to your attention, and then to help us review that, to bring that to the, the, the publication. And I would like to start with the opening page of the book, which actually has actually a question already on the, on the first opening page. And it says here, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. And the question to you then is, would you leave it to chance? Well, the obvious question is obviously uh, no, you wouldn't leave that to chance. You wouldn't uh, leave a good conversation to chance. And I was thinking about that, uh, pondering about that question, because I obviously have seen it in the book. And, and uh, not only good conversations you should not leave to chance, but also bad conversations, right? You might have a bad conversation, okay? Uh, would you leave that to chance? And probably the answer is also no, you know, the things might be totally going in the wrong direction in, in a bad way. Um, so, so that, that also, I think we should, we should think about, uh, is, uh, is it going in the desired way for all stakeholders in that conversation, right? So you might think it's a good conversation, maybe for the other parties in the conversation, it's not such a good conversation. So maybe the good is your perception. So is it a mutually agreed good conversation? You know, or is it maybe a partially bad conversation? And I think that that also we should take into consideration when when we when we talk about uh, direction of change, um, you know, into the good or, or, or in a in a bad direction, it all comes down again to the eye of the beholder. Nice one. Yeah, and that, and that also is very consistent with, with, with your motto, I believe, as you always um, tell that to other people. And I, I also have known you for a little while and you actually all are already uh, living that motto, which is actually, I think it's about listening to understand instead of listening to respond. Exactly. Listen to understand and not to answer, because that is, especially in these times, uh, conversations happening faster and faster and unfortunately more and more superficial okay because conversations in the meaning of understanding and trying to dig deeper and 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 actually listen to the outcome and to the to to what that person actually wants or that group actually wants versus assuming after 10 seconds that oh i've heard that i know exactly what they mean and then you shoot your answer before they or he or she even finished and you shoot out the answer, which especially in these times uh, of, of, of Twitter, you know, where that, that happens on Twitter, okay? You don't really read the link underneath the Twitter post. You only read those hundred signs and you tuck, 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 tuck. And then out you go and then you like, oh shit, maybe I should have read that. So, you know, I didn't understand that that 
sentence was only a reflection of that link and it didn't really that person didn't really mean what that link said but it was that person was reflecting on it so so i think we just need to give ourselves some more time to reflect the answers in our conversations yeah and I, th I think that is a very big learning for all of us and we always can become better at listening to understand instead of listening to answer thank you garrett for that one so our next our next question is what garrett is currently on your horizon of change um that that that's a good one basically change um i i see and i've learned that um not not the hard way maybe even a good way change is a constant in life or is the only constant in life right is is, is is change and you just mentioned sort of my my business career which which had some um focal points in which i totally changed the direction of what i was doing you know i was leaving hotel business and opening up an agency which i didn't know at all what what you do in an agency okay so I, I just went for it in terms of okay let's let's just venture into the unknown and the same thing when I then joined MCI I didn't work for a large company we only had a small company so again I was like okay let's go for it and I did that for 10 years and then when I joined Event Design Collective you remember the conversations that we had I'm like yeah guys sounds cool you know don't know much about it but let's just let's just go for it so taking it from from that spot where I'm right now to where is 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 uh, my my horizon of change heading? I think uh, is with with all that experience in, in in events over the last years. My 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 mission uh, would would actually really be to go out there and uh, make as many event planners understand that in fact they are change agents using events to propel the change. Okay, that's a that's a big mission, Garrett. And um, I, will I know, <laughs> I know. Happy to walk that road together. So uh, that's uh, that's something I, I also can relate to, of course. Um, for the people who don't know Garrett and listening to this podcast, and maybe are in the possession of the book Designed to Change, Garrett is featured in this book on page number one hundred and three, one hundred and three, and I'll I'll read his quote just to, uh, and maybe you can reflect on that a little bit, uh, Garrett. Um, you sure. said in the book, I have discovered that if you are equipped with the powers to explore the problem, you can make a real, make a real difference. Amping up the pain gently by asking why questions allows you to contribute your superpowers when the stakes are high. Can you reflect on that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's exactly to the point is that um... Again, it comes a bit down to to, to asking uh, or to leading a conversation is like, what is the real problem? Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, um, we are also geared to um, go the direct way from, ah, I've heard that and I know the solution. Okay, so you're automatically going from, oh, I think I understand you. Why don't you do this? Uh, and and you know there's obviously these these techniques of asking so many times why 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 and they are painful okay because you're like come on i i explained it what do you mean why okay so why but it really makes you understand deeply what uh what what the problem is and it's the whole also the whole discussion about the wants and needs okay is what you want actually what you need 
So, so drilling down to that problem actually gives you then the chance to reflect and to, to, to give a real added value advice versus just an answer. Yeah, and Garrett, many people struggle with the fact that they, they say like, okay, sometimes it feels very um, impolite to, add, to keep on asking the why question, right? It feels like, yeah, but I told you that. Do you, can you share experiences or techniques or insights how to do that or how to overcome that? Yeah, I, I, I think obviously the, you can ask, let's say the first two whys everybody will accept, right? Because, uh, and I think you have to make clear that you're not asking why because you don't understand in terms of, of, of intellectually, you ask the why because you want to understand emotionally and you want to actually help, okay? So I think you have to actually make that initial disclaimer, okay? Mm. I'm not trying to be mean to you and trying to upset you, okay? But it, and, and it's a proven technique and, and anybody can look that up on Google, whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's a proven questionnaire technique uh, uh, to actually drill, drill down to the, to the real problem. Unless, and that is, if, if people think they don't have a problem, then maybe that technique is not really going to help them. So it needs also some openness on the position of the person being asked those questions. Yeah. Um, and obviously some trust, you know, coming back to the trusted advisor. If you're a trusted advisor of a person, that person will accept those why questions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that um, insight. Very good, very valuable. So in a, a, people who regularly listen to our podcast know that after these two questions, we are selecting a chapter from our book and we use the wheel of names to spin, to spin that and to select then a chapter. Are you, do you agree, Garrett, with that um, way of choosing a chapter? Sure. Um, no problem. Let me uh, see if I can spin the wheel. And it's running on my screen. And the result is putting design on the agenda. Okay. Okay. Is that something um, you like to talk about, Garrett? The only answer, yeah, that's... right? So the only answer possible is yes now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 but <laughs> yes. And thank that you for awesome. that question. Um, and um, it, it, in fact, is, is probably the, the most crucial thing to put design on the agenda. It, it uh, goes, goes a bit with what I said. My, my mission is, you know, to try to actually um, turn event managers into behavior changers or change agents. Mm -hmm. um, and how can we empower them uh, to put design on the agenda, meaning uh, in front of their internal or external stakeholders, okay, so the event owners, the people that initiate events, their clients, if you will, uh, how uh, do we empower them to say, oh, by the way, um, why are you doing this meeting and who are you doing this meeting for? Instead of asking where do you want to hold the meeting and how much can it cost? Yep. Okay, so that, that so the first two are definitely design on the agenda questions. If they may not sound like that, you know, but why are you doing the meeting? And who do you do the meeting for versus the latter one, you know, how much and, 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 and where those are basically um, 
what I call um, they're the, the questions of somebody that actually uh, executes meetings. Yeah. But the first two questions would be the questions that the designer would ask. Okay. I have a few other questions for you. Sure. And for the, for the listeners and the readers, after each chapter, we have published in the book a spread with and we call it a worksheet and worksheet with a few questions and by design we left that quite open because we would like to you to answer those questions if you however feel not to write in a book because you are taught not to do so in high school or elementary school then that is all right there is on design to change dot online we are happy to provide you with uh, the questions in a type form format, which actually you can fill in on, on our website. And after filling that in, you can also send that to yourself in a PDF. So let's start with the, with, with the first question. And, 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 and the, yeah, it's a question you need to think about a little bit. Thinking of putting the design on the agenda, the question is, how can you comfort your event owner that not having clarity with the initial ask is okay. Yeah, that's a that's a very tough one, because as I said, we live in this problem to solution straight line approach, right? Ambiguity is not, especially not in Germany. We don't we don't like ambiguity. You know, we we are the solution guys. Okay, we are, um, and and then a lot of people think design is all about about making cars look great and making your toaster look neat and 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 whatever you know uh and and and, it, and it's 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 not only that it goes it goes much deeper and that i think is important um plus we all like choices right i mean if you go to a supermarket there's only one apple clear you only buy that one apple you know you, you would like at least two to three or four. I just read an article the other day that that's uh, scientifically, if you have 20 apples or 50 or 100 different apples to choose, funny enough, um, that choice doesn't make you happier than if you're only three or four or five. Okay, so an, so an abundance doesn't really make you might make you happier, but a limited and well crafted selection of choices. Uh, and that meaning um, not really having clarity gives you options to choose. It's a bit like, like a, uh, if you offer to your event owner, let's say, no, um, we have this proposal and then there's only binary decision, right? The event owner says yes or no. If you say, look, we have these three or four prototypes here, can we talk about it? Then obviously that initially to that event owner, might say like oh so so you're not clear about about your choices you know so you don't have a plan so you're not sure uh what is what you want so what's your choice mm -hmm. uh, and then that i think is 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 a learning we all have to take that uh and and we have to stand for it as as event designers versus versus event managers is make sure that you give people options yeah uh, and then with those options, they then filter those options and they will then, and, and, and I experienced that very, very personally, P 
people will then say, oh, you know, this prototype looks so cool. Can we add a little bit of this here and the registration of that part? And if you take that speaker, then that's perfect. So basically, you make your design the event owner's design. And I and I and I think that that needs a, it needs a learning process. You just have to try it out. You know, it's nothing good, but you just have to do it. Yeah, thank you, Garrett. Very insightful. What you talk about is ambiguity, um, and you you actually compare that with with the way how we visualize event design. And the event design we visualize with a spaghetti with one of the uh, actually tangled spaghetti and one of the loose ends of the spaghetti is coming out on the on the right hand side which is then coming closely cl uh, towards a solution and the solution might be an event and the ambiguity is not about the process you provide but the outcomes which are unclear and i think that is hard for event owners to understand that the outcomes are unclear but the process makes sure that you that you will end up at a good spot. Further to building on that first question is actually what guardrails do you offer to allow the event owner to feel comfortable to say yes to you for event design? Yeah, it comes a bit down to what I said initially, too many options also make a life difficult. You need to actually take the event owner with you on the road to event design success. Okay, so you need to lead them through each phase. And usually where you involve them is first in the stakeholder alignment. And secondly, you present prototypes to the event owner. And you need to very again, make sure that these event prototypes are not a ready made event concept. I've seen a lot of event managers struggle with prototypes saying, yeah, but they're only they're only like like nuggets. They're not they're not a plan yet. No, that's true, they're not. So you need to very clearly also uh, let the event owner know, and this is this is the, the guardrails basically, that in the process, you give them prototypes and then they feedback you their input, and then you basically filter it down to a first event design. And then in a later process, you go in what the event planners feel comfortable in, is swim lane diagrams or, or whatever, you know, just day-to-day -day, uh, execution. Mm, thank you. Thanks. And also what helps is, and we, we, we keep on talking about these, these two elements, and that is we talk about suspension of disbelief, right? So some people don't really understand what it is yet. Yeah. And sometimes you can counter their curiosity uh, by, hey, just suspend your disbelief for an hour or two and let us do the process. And then at some point we'll come back to that, to that curiosity. Yeah. Or what we also tell people is, Hey, um, please just trust the process. This process works in different organizations in different parts of the globe with using in different teams. And that, that could get, that could very well help. So that, these are three things you could easily benefit from. But also, uh, I think there's a few tips in that chapter where we talk about putting absolutely the agenda where you could benefit from. Next question, Garrett. How will you sketch the outcomes of a design, of an event design, and involve the event owner in the way forward? I think the initial 
uh, end end product should be a, a narrative or, or or a story basically that you that that reflects the feedback that the event owner has given you uh, and and basically tells the story of of, of your of your design um, and then if you and 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 then that is obviously validated uh, previously validated by by the different stakeholders and then then you take uh, um, you bring that to, to the event owner and get his buy-in. That is absolutely crucial, okay? Because otherwise, what, what will happen if you think it's a great story and your design team thinks it's a great story and the event owner, you, you basically lose him on that. And, and there's also one, one um, paragraph in the book is, is claiming time, okay? And that comes back to that part is how do you uh, keep the event owners involved because basically what they want is they they want the result they don't a lot of them don't care so much about the process they 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 only so so what is it now okay so you, you need to actually keep the event owner uh, involved uh, while you're doing the execution of the process yeah wow nice answer garrett last question of this chapter and the question is how does getting design on the agenda help the event owner in other parts of the organization to achieve strategic goals? I think the main focus of events, of the event owner, they are basically, no, sorry, of the event manager is basically from year to year to year, right? And, and, and what, what, what the focus should be is events are strategic parts of improving the performance of an organization. A lot of times they're not seen as that, you know, they're just seen as events, meaning entertainment. So, you know, the, the disclaim uh, an event without changing behavior remains entertainment come, comes into that. So, so what actually is needed on a strategic perspective and where the methodology helps is the horizon of change, meaning where will this organization be in five years from now? And how can the events over time add to help the organization achieve that goal? And, and, and so if, if you really think about this is why when we work with organizations, we usually say, okay, let's not design the event next year because there are so many design limitations because you already know where it is, you know, how much this new, you so geared into just making it happen versus asking the questions, what would be if it would not happen? So asking the very open questions. So we go and say, now let's design the event in five years from now. And then once we design that, we can then basically retro design, you know, from 25, 24, 23, 22, and then have a clear path uh, of, of where we want to go in alignment with the strategy of the organization. Because that, that's also, that's a painful question is, you know, how does this event add to the value of the organization over time. And if there's not a clear answer, maybe you should spend the money not on the event, but maybe on a social media strategy or spend it uh, on, on charity, whatever. There are many ways to change behavior, right? As you said, and events are one of them and very powerful, powerful mechanisms. Garrett, to wrap it up, any insights on on the journey you you took which you would like to uh, share with the listeners 
things you achieved, one things, the paths you took, anything from your experienced mind, which you can share with listeners? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit learning, learning a language. And it, it's, it's a visual language, um, which makes it a bit easier because it makes it a lot more global and universal, but it's still learning a language. And, and we are in these times very impatient. And I, I also was impatient. Okay. So the first time I was exposed to the whole concept of design thinking and event design, I'm like, this is complicated. This is, I, I don't, I don't get it. Why, you know, I thought it was easy, you know, just a few post-its and pens or whatever. So what, what, what's going on? Um, but I think this, this whole concept of not basically forcing yourself to throw out the answer before you even heard about the problem is like, you know, indulge yourself in the problem, you know, fall in love with the problem. Um, that I think needs courage. Um, and uh, people, people need courage to be able and to be willing to jump in, in, into the unknown. Uh, and in my experience, the pool is not that deep. You will not drown. Um, that's the good news. Um, but it's a bit like learning a language. You know, if let's say you, you do one class, one, one day class with us, a lot of people that do a training with me for one day, like, ah, so now I'm an event designer. No, you are not. Okay. And that was not the promise you have learned, understood, hopefully understood the basics you know, about what event design will do and how it can actually help your organization uh, propel itself any further. However, um, my analogy is you've just been through first grade, okay? And if you really want to study this, if you really want to speak a language, you need to constantly speak it. So my pledge would be, um, if you if you really want to do it and if you want to succeed on the road of event design you really need to go all the way thanks You're by the welcome. way we had a we had a, a, a pre-conversation before this podcast and um, i asked garrett um garrett tell me have you have you have you listened to some of these podcasts said, yeah yeah um some of them and he said um and i, I asked a question what what do you think of it yeah you ask intelligent questions and i am supposed to give silly answers garrett i must say no answer was silly so you didn't keep your promise in that one but thank you very much for uh for all your wisdom and sharing what you know you're uh, welcome we are very much appreciating that and um we see you backstage um in a few seconds absolutely thanks Rob. thank you this has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.